Property Matters on Dublin South FM. You can contact the show on Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host for today is myself, Carol Tallon. And first up to join us remotely, of course, is Rose Barrett, co-founder of Grow Remote. Rose, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Carol, thanks so much for having me. Uh, Rose, I have been a, a fan and a follower of Grow Remote for a while now, but for anybody who isn't familiar uh, with the social enterprise, you might just tell us a little bit about Grow Remote. Absolutely love to, Carol. Thanks. So Grow Remote started as an idea among a group of people who were very focused around uh, seeing rural Ireland get a good opportunity. Um, Tracy Q, our uh, bright spark that started it all, contacted a load of us in 2018 and we all came together basically wondering what could we do to help our rural communities to do better and remote working was just coming up time and time again. Also as a group that maybe wasn't being supported or targeted and there seemed to be a lot of opportunity there. Um, from that then it went on to us having our conference in 2018 and we had this notion where the CSO was telling us that there was about a quarter of a million remote workers in Ireland and at the time we thought gosh this is really simple we'll connect this quarter of a million people they'll all share information what's the biggest challenge for remote workers is isolation we'll help them come together they'll get to know each other and that's that problem solved of course it's rarely ever that straightforward or simple <laughs> um, so over the last couple of years we've learned couple, you know some other stuff that that really does need to to be helped um, things like uh, a lot of uh, employers have been telling us really really good quality of candidates in Ireland but maybe some of the key skills are missing so we've gone on to develop uh, training courses, both for the skill of remote working and for leading remotely in partnership with IDA Solace and the Leash Offaly ETB. Um, so we've, we've run a couple of cohorts of those over the summer. Um, and then really at the heart of Grow Remote is our chapters. So everything that we learn about remote working, we put into a box, more or less, and, uh, and share it out with local leaders. And that means then that the existing remote workers have a support network. Communities are learning how to become remote friendly and there's an education piece happening around what is remote work, who are the companies that are hiring remotely and how do you actually get those jobs? Yeah, Rose, I'm so aware that the conversation, um, you know, th this, uh, a lot of the terminology you're using, that's just entered our everyday lexicon now since COVID and since the pandemic. So I'm aware that this is really top of the agenda for um, local areas, for big businesses, for small businesses. But you guys had started this conversation two years before the, the, the pandemic struck. So what I suppose in a way has has the conversation shifted or diluted or when you I suppose back in 2018, the core values and the core ambitions for Grow Remote, have they been sustained through COVID or have they changed? Um, well, yes, overall. So the impact that we want to have is to bring these jobs to our local communities. We want to see, you know, three or four extra jobs in a town of a thousand people. And, you know, imagine the amazing impact that will have on the local economy. But also it has sped things up. So it's changed things in certain ways. Um, for us in February, we were still trying to get people's attention. So actually, I thought a really nice example would be um, Lee Shoffley did a soft launch of the remote work um, ready course and there wasn't really a big uptake. 
And then when the pandemic hit and there was a relaunch of the course in April, there was actually a waiting list. So people yeah. just became acutely aware of how important these skills would be and how changed the face of working is going to be. We we would have imagined maybe that would have happened over the next five years. And that's really sped it up. So there's been both challenges because of this, obviously, and then there's opportunities. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we, you know, and very quickly recognized was people are going to equate the type of remote working they're doing right now with what remote working is. And it it isn't. And um, so the the term two of the terms that came about was it was remote working in a crisis or suddenly remote is what people were referring to it as. Um, but it's the reality of what we're living in at the moment. And, you know, to make sure that both companies and and individuals are supported through that is so important. And that's a really interesting point. I hadn't considered that at all, Rose, that there is almost a danger here that people will, who find themselves, as you, as you term it, suddenly remote will think this is what remote working is. And clearly it isn't because that wasn't the strategy that you guys had put forward, you know, two years ago. That's um, How much of a, I suppose, a threat is that? I think it's lessened and, and we've seen the change in the conversation from um, from earlier in the year when, when we went into lockdown initially, where people, you know, and, and it's great to have open, honest conversations about this. We're struggling, you know, trying to work from the kitchen table with kids and pets and, you know, other haves and everything, not having the stuff in place that they required. Definitely people have, you know, more and more recognised through the conversation we've had that that's not how it should be long term. It may be in the shorter term. But we're starting to see a conversation coming up more about hubs. And it's been interesting for us because, you know, we know what we know. but We recognize that not everybody else is aware of what's out there and what's, you know, potential, even down to the language we would use. So we refer to remote working. A lot of people think instantly work from home. But one of the points we would make is remote working isn't necessarily work from home. It might be for some companies and for some roles or for an individual that it suits. But it's been wonderful to be able to speak to people and say, you know, co-working spaces, digital hubs are an option. And there's so much of the challenge that is happening for people working from home that can be answered in using hubs. Yeah. And, you know, it it occurs to me that Grow Remote has an absolute powerhouse of a team behind it when it comes to uh, rural development and rural regeneration. Do you want to maybe give us a a little introduction to some of the like your some of your board members and the GM there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, even, you know, so down to to Tracy initially, um, Mm. you know, setting everything up like she she came from a, a community management development uh, role within Bank of Ireland and has been working with rural communities for years. Um, and then we've been really blessed to have John Avoy come on um, recently as our general manager. Some people may not know that John was the person who brought Men's Shed to Ireland and, and what an amazing initiative that was. Um, Absolutely. Ju- just stunning. Um, then with, within the board itself, like we have Tomasa Sheikhan, who's CEO of the Western Development Commission and the work that they've been doing uh, within our region has just been wonderful and so collaborative yeah. and so supportive very early on. Um, we have Renata Coleman who was the person who brought the Wayfair team here in Ireland remote. And her experience in that end of things has, has been just a huge benefit to us. And then uh, John Reardon, who's uh, the head of, uh, of Shopify um, here in Ireland. And again, a really, really strong person um, on the remote end of things, but also understanding the importance of getting remote right for our communities and for individuals. 
Yeah, there's there's a strong uh, commercial backbone there as well then in terms of the expertise and the insights that are being fed into your policy and strategic uh, decision making. Very much so. I mean, look, you know, we are a social enterprise and I know sometimes that when people think social enterprises, they can think a bit soft and um, but we, we understand that we need it to be financially sustainable um, that it needs to be feasible in the long term to really bring back this impact for our communities. And, and getting that right is so very important. Um, it's it's looking very, very good. Um, again, re- great experiences, as you just said there. Um, and plus working with Enterprise Ireland has, you know, has, has been a huge benefit to us as well. Yeah, it, it's become something of a, a cliche to talk about how uh, digital transformation across a whole range of businesses, across a whole range of sectors, has really leapfrogged um, in 2020. So, and you touched on it there. You know, some of the expectations and uh, around culture shifts that need to happen. You might have predicted could take five years, which is still quite quick, um, but that actually they've they've been achieved probably in the first five weeks um, of the COVID restrictions. That that's welcome and that's a positive in one respect, but. It can have some very big downsides. And so, for example, one of the downsides might have been that we did start to misinterpret things like uh, work remote and only see that as working from home. So, like for example, I'm really surprised because I didn't know about that stat that there's a quarter of a million remote workers in Ireland. Um, I, I wasn't aware of that. That's a huge stat. And, you know, similarly, some of the research that Grow Remote uh, and indeed the Western Development Commission were involved in uh, collating and circulating um, also about remote work showed that I, I think it was, is it close to 50% of all jobs in Ireland can be done remotely, which again was a figure that really surprised Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And sorry, I should clarify on that figure. Um what we actually learned at that time was that probably wasn't wholly true. Um, when And again, this is to do with how, how we decide what a piece of data means. So it looks more like yeah. it was actually referring to people who might have had some flexible working within the role as well, which again was a learning for us. And we also thought mm-hmm. that it was going to be so easy to find all of these people and it is far harder in practice. Um, but it, it, it's, been, it's been amazing. I, I would... I would wish, though, and um, we are seeing some trends in in some media where um, stats and figures have been pulled out, maybe without the right context. So even there's a conversation yeah. piece now, um, 80 something plus percent of people are saying that remote working is costing them. But one of the things that I was a little bit disappointed with was it wasn't there was no conversation of how much they're saving. Um, and I know we have work to do, say, on the e-workers allowance, but there are other things in place to support people working from home. And there will be much more coming down the line. The government have been extremely active and it might that might not be very obvious to people just yet, because they, again, not, we're not the only ones that have been at You know, the Department of uh, Business Enterprise and Innovation, along with some of the other departments as well, have been working heavily on this and cross-departmental uh, work going on. So I, I'm very hopeful for how we're placed um, interestingly, I was having a conversation with one of our chapter leads in France in the last few days, and he said Ireland to him is just head and shoulders above what they're doing in France. And the conversation in France is very similar to the UK. They're very keen to get people back to offices and not even looking at whether it's the right move or not, just doing it because they want to. OK, I, um, I, I suppose... Would you would you agree with that? Like, do you think that Ireland is where it needs to be? Of course, I think we could have done more. We could do more. 
um, you always feel that way. I think, I mean, I feel that on an individual basis. I often wonder, like, you know, what else can I get out of this week to to progress this? But I think we're we're in a pretty healthy place, but we, we can't be complacent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, I would like to think that the work that we're doing is moving in the right direction. So, like, say, two core areas for us would be making sure that the workforce are have the appropriate skills to do these jobs and do them well and for it to be a healthy place for them as an individual, as an employee, but also to make sure that the, the companies, the managers and leaders are skilled as well in to, do, in to do this the right way. And then we have the government coming in with putting appropriate policy in place to make sure that everything is well supported and, and has a structure it needs. Okay, one of the policies we're hearing a lot about is this hub and spoke uh, model. Can you explain, because it's something that we've actually discussed a number of times on the show in different contexts, um, and I would I, I would see it as a positive from a placemaking point of view because I think it opens up opportunities for people outside of the main economic areas in Ireland and as somebody who was born and reared on a farm. And, you know, I, I see that as, as a massively positive thing um, in a way it's, we don't see a lot of uh, rural living supported maybe through the national planning framework, you know, in, in my opinion. So actually on the on the hub and spoke model, it's something that I welcome, but I'd like to see it not necessarily just in the suburbs of Dublin or around the, the main commuter towns. I'd, I'd love to see it in really uh, rural locations that um, as you say, might have populations of under a thousand people, and if you, two and three jobs could be created, you know, it's such a huge difference that that could be felt to the community. Will you explain the hub and spoke model um, from a, from a policy point of view as you understand? Absolutely, it? and I'm I'm nodding frantically here because same, Carol. I, I'm very excited to see this this develop further. So um, I would know most from the, the Western Development Commission's uh, work on it, but the idea being that you have a digital hub co-working space to support an area. And around that area, then you have all the amenities required for the people that are utilising that hub. It also goes a little bit further where the hubs are being connected up as a network of themselves. So, you know, whether you as an individual or a company are able to access hubs all over the country. And it means it's just making it much easier and much more joined up down to, you know, centralized billing for corporates that they don't have to be wondering about, you know, how do I how do I do this? Uh, Also, another part that's happening along with that is the hubs themselves, the managers are being are being joined up and they're learning from each other. They're sharing knowledge and 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 they're sharing best practice and what they're also discovering is they're learning at a local level what the requirements are for their hub. There might be specific needs that fit very well into the locale, but then they're finding trends that are maybe more regional or national and sharing that back into the network. So we're learning at a much faster rate and also really meeting the needs that are out there on the ground. And I think that's so, so fantastic. Um, Talking to the Moss, he was talking about a particular um, opportunity that came up within Galway where they were noticing a lot of women returners. So women with amazing experience and, um, you know, like like you're talking about people, you know, with fantastic education, um, have been in the workforce for maybe a decade, had gone uh, on maternity leave and maybe finding some challenge and coming back. And it was through the hubs there that they learned that there were startups with the flexibility to take on somebody part time. And we're so delighted to get somebody with that level of experience. And it was that Again, mm-hmm. through the hub and spoke, pulling in the knowledge, sharing it back out again, just making sure that it's much more joined up and it's actually me on the ground. 
Yeah, it, it was. It must have been a great coup for Grow Remote to be able to uh, appoint a board member who is the CEO of the Western Development Commission. You know, the, because one of the one of the questions I want to ask you, because I'm curious about where is the leadership for this coming from? And I'm sorry, I don't mean the leadership for Grow Remote. I mean the leadership for uh, Ireland's remote working strategy, because I see a, a number of players involved but where is the leadership coming from that's a very good question carol i uh, you know like we're, we're so ourselves centric um we would obviously mm-hmm. be be feeding in somewhat um there's you know the work that the the different regional um development companies are doing uh within government so um I, I think Tomas now or Tracy would speak much better to that specifically or, or John Avoy as well. Mm. Um, but I, I feel like it is a, a number of organisations working together at the moment. Yeah, I think like from my point of view, what I see online, I'm seeing leadership, but more of a, I'm seeing leadership from a policy making point of view coming out from the Western Development Commission, which I think is really strong. Mm. Um, and in terms of thought leadership, I'm seeing that in spades coming from um, Grow Remote and indeed you referenced your co-founder there, Tracy Kyo. And, w- and that's really important because that galvanizes people on the ground that helps build momentum. But I suppose to, to enable this to be seen as so much more than a pandemic responsive solution and actually, you know, something more indicative of, of how people living and working in Ireland choose to spend their time. You know, for that, I feel that there needs to be some leadership beyond, um, I suppose, the the pandemic responsive stuff. And to me, it's not clear yet where that's coming from, because obviously it'll need to be state. But I I don't know which arm of state that will be. Um, You know, and and I think that for the longevity of this, it's a really important, it's a really important question to have the answer to. Absolutely. And to make sure that, again, it's all joined up and that we're pulling in the same direction. Yeah. And because I suppose because now we're so deep into uh, the pandemic response and now we're just after um, embarking on our second lockdown and we know that that's ahead of us for the next five or six weeks. You know, and and who knows what happens after that? Are you seeing a shift? You know, in the in the members or the people that you're speaking to through uh, your role as your new role as community manager in Grow Remote, are you are you seeing any shift in attitudes? Um, you know, what what are the main changes? There's, there's kind of two camps on that, Carol. So there's the group of people mm. who maybe you know, discounting the people who already have been remote working, had a good setup and were quite comfortable doing so, and also had a, who had uh, an employer that were well set up for it. The people who maybe had struggled really at the start had settled into it and discovered it actually does suit them. And that's probably an element of things being figured out in their own circumstances and also their employer being able to support them. There's a, There's also the other group who had, you know, maybe kind of settled into things a little bit in the summer but coming back into lockdown again has has really shown the you know the, the chinks in their own setups again, like people back to the the kitchen table, um, and and not being able to say like that. I mean, you know, the hope for us is we'll see much more people being able to access hubs coming into the new year. But um, it's it's definitely a struggle, and it's a conversation we don't want to shy away from. Um, there's no point in saying that mm-hmm. this is you know this is all sunshine and roses for everybody. It's it's really tough for some people, and. Um, 
yeah, and it's it, it's a you know for some it, it's about having a conversation with their their manager and getting stuff in place to make sure that they are well supported. Um, and but for others, it may be it may require something larger than that. Yeah, you know, again, I I think that in terms of remote work, we're probably at very early days, although it doesn't mm. feel like it because so many of us have been thrown into it uh, so quickly. I, I, And by the way, I hadn't heard that term before, suddenly remote, but it's quite a perfect description yeah. um, for where we find ourselves. So I, I think that's an interesting one. We need to leave it there, but this is definitely a conversation that we're going to return to um, because it's something that I feel is going to shape the future of Ireland, not just in the urban centres, but particularly in more rural settings. So it's definitely a conversation I want to return to. Um, Rose, thank you so much for joining us today. That was Rose Barrett, co-founder at Grow Remote. Um, we need to take a quick break now. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So I'm now joined by Lauren O'Reilly, owner of Space Adventure House in Crookstown in Kildare. Lauren, you're very welcome. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Mill, for having me, Carol. Um, Lauren, I'm delighted because yours is one of the hubs that I've been in a position to visit uh, prior prior to the, the latest lockdown. So I was able to visit and have a tour of the facilities. And it's one that I was familiar with uh, having, you know, visited the, the area um, in recent years. So you might just tell us a little bit. Um, well, I suppose, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get to be in the co-working or hub space? Um, well, my background is really not a whole lot to do with co-working or anything like that. My degree is in uh, fashion design, actually. So I'm very good. Different field now. Um, I started my career working for Blarney Woolen Mills. So I was primarily a buyer for them, but buyer working at Blarney Woolen Mills was a very kind of loose term. So I worked directly with the CEO there, Frida Hayes, who mm-hmm. was nearly almost a mentor to me and kind of showed me how to run a business. They had, let's say, 14 stores, a hotel and some restaurants. So I got experience in all elements of retail, of staffing, uh, locations, fit out of stores, offices and, you know, a huge amount of travel around Europe for shows and inspiration, which was on the buying side Um, and a lot of kind of running around, catching buses um, and just generally very busy with them. So I worked with them in Cork for two years. Uh, Very good. Yeah. Then I moved to Dublin and started working for Primark, which was great. Um, so it was working with Primark was brilliant, but it was just as competitive and kind of cutthroat as, you know, people hear about the industry. <laughs> right. the, the nicknames were interviewed, the Hunger Games. So it was supposed to be super competitive when you were getting in the door and that kind of thing. So it was a really amazing time. I worked with them for about five years, gave me a really serious work ethic um, a thick skin as well, which is great in business. And it's important. Absolutely. Yeah. And just really the work ethic was the real thing. You were 12 hour days, you had a lot of travel, going to a lot of shows, a lot of factories. So it was it was really brilliant working with them. And as I said, I worked with them for about five years. Um, I've always kind of consciously tried, if I could, to work with an Irish company. And I love the idea of supporting Irish companies and bringing business back into Ireland, all that kind of thing. Not possible for everybody, but I really do do it myself, yeah. 
Yeah, that's, it's a really interesting uh, career path to where you are now. Um, so Space Adventure House, uh, am I correct in calling it, because it is a co-working space, but you do have private offices available as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. So that kind of the private office, we had two private offices in the space, but it kind of, we see especially now that the demand for the private office is growing more, obviously, because of the landscape we're looking at now with COVID-19. People want to be in their own private office rather than sharing a space with people. But yet there still is the appetite for, you know, the co-working desk space as well. Maybe it's a little bit affordable for some people. People may not want the commitment of a full office, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting you talk about uh, the demand for private because that might be an assumption we'd make. Um, but actually, it's interesting to hear from, um, you know, from a, an operator's point of view that that's what you're experiencing on the ground, because at this stage, a lot of the data, you know, talking about people's habits and behaviours on foot of the, the pandemic, you know, we, we don't have a lot of information about that. So it's interesting to hear, you know, uh, the the reactions that you're getting from people, you know, and in terms of the demand for private space, you opened prior to the pandemic. So does that tally with what people were looking for when you opened first? No, it probably doesn't. I only had when I first opened, we probably started, we had maybe three or four people in in the first month, let's say. So we we opened our doors in July. So we've been open for just about five months now. So we're still so, almost like a baby. We're just getting used mm-hmm. to it. Um, so Very only good. one person actually wanted the private office at the time. And I had three people kind of floating in and out on the desks. But now I'm definitely finding as we're going kind of thicker into this pandemic and we're closing down, we're opening back up. People kind of want that space where they can just close the door behind them. Well, I'm finding that anyway in in our setting. People want to be able to close the door, store their things, move in and out as they need to kind of. Right. And in terms of the members that you have now, are they self-employed entrepreneurs or are they people who would ordinarily be commuting to, you know, larger offices, maybe in larger urban centres? Oh, it's really, really varied. So I have I've probably, let's say, full 10 full time tenants at the moment. So it varies from I have a student who obviously with universities shut down. Or, you know, you can't really get in, you know, access to the facilities. I have a student there permanently. I have someone in sales. I have a startup nutrition company. And then I have like two accountants who work for larger companies in Dublin. And I have, unfortunately, she's a gorgeous girl, but a girl who got stuck here after coming home from Australia for three weeks. So she's been stuck here for, I don't know, since March. So she's working in the office as well. And someone who said there's no way she could work from home, you know. Yeah. And uh, so this is somebody who came back to Ireland for a visit yeah. and was due back to Australia she in March. She came back to see her mom in March for three weeks and her whole life is in Sydney, everything. And she's now stuck here. So yeah, I was only just talking to her today up there and she was just saying she just doesn't know what she would do without this kind of service because she needs to be able to report back to an office in Australia. She's still working remotely from Ireland to Sydney. So we have an wow. international yeah. element as well, which is nice. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I get it's so these are the these are maybe the people that we don't hear about, you know, the people who have been stranded but yet still have to maintain all of their commitments that they might have had at the other side of the world. I really hope that lady doesn't have pets or, or pets she, or pets. She has her boyfriend over. left over there, the poor thing. <laughs> and doesn't doesn't it say a lot about me that I only thought of pets and plants? <laughs> But uh, I and you know, we shouldn't obviously I, I don't mean to trivialize it because these are yeah. really 
re- real concerns that people have. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, this week in particular, it feels like we've taken a step backwards. Yeah. But um, for me, for me, what I'm really interested in, in terms of the hubs and, um, you know, our, our previous guest, Rose Barrett from Grow Remote, talked to us about the hub and spoke model and why that's important. And, I, I you know, we've commented that the conversation around remote work and what it will be going forward and, you know, what services will be needed to support that. That conversation is really only starting. You know, at yeah. the moment, everything... We're really just responding. Um, and so it's great that uh, operators like yourself are available and you are responding to to what people need in the moment. But in terms of your long term plan for uh, space at Venture House, you know, what where do you see the the real demand is going to come from? And, you know, what do you think your makeup of members is going to be after the pandemic? Well, just as you're, you're saying things like that, you know, Ireland is not set up for rural working and for rural hubs. For years, everyone has been kind of shuttled into the main cities and people have been doing the two hour commute in and out of Dublin every day. And we're kind of almost pre-programmed into that. And such a lovely positive side of this pandemic, which is awful, don't get me wrong, is that people are really valuing their life outside of work now. And they're maybe thinking, maybe I don't want to drive for two hours anymore. I don't want to do that kind of thing. But as you said, the setup is not really there. So when we were starting and we were kind of, we refurbished the whole building, we got a gorgeous colour scheme, fitted it out. But then we realised we had no fibre broadband in our area. There was no uh, kind of signs of us going to be getting it in the next two years. So obviously that's the integral part of this working. So we had to go off and find our own uh, broadband provider. So we spoke with... We spoke with the county council, we spoke with AIR, with various different people. And that was kind of the biggest challenge was making sure that people could really actually do their job, connect into their head offices, video conference across the world if they needed to. All that kind of stuff needed to be thought about um, before we could even, you know, open anything. So that was probably the biggest thing, which would be similar to your guys in Grow. You know, yeah, and 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 but but did you get that sorted? We did. So we ended up going with a company called Regional Broadband, who were really really helpful, and they had worked on a few hubs like ours before, and they said this is how you get it in. But it was like that was probably our biggest cost um, of starting up. We had to bring the dishes in, you know, we had to find everything, wire it down, wire up all the desks, everything like that. So it was a really big undertaking, but I'm delighted we did it because. The second we had the internet in, we could get people in the door, you know, and really start to help people. You know, Lauren, that's something that actually I hadn't considered in terms of uh, remote working because there's almost an assumption now that that broadband is widely available. And by the way, I, I'm less than half an hour from the city centre and my broadband is not great. Whereas when I travel uh, to the west of Ireland over to Connemara, there's excellent broadband there. So, you know, th- there's some con- there's some real contradictions in terms of our broadband rollout in Ireland. Um, but uh, it occurs to me then that there does this actually present an opportunity for you because if people locally in their homes can't access high quality fibre broadband, then surely that's an offering that you have maybe that they would otherwise need to travel Absolutely, for? yeah. I have, sometimes I get people calling me at, let's say half seven in the morning and they'll just be having an absolute panic attack saying they need to be on this Teams meeting in 
an hour yeah. and that's just the end of it. They must be in attendance for this. They've no broadband, their broadband is down, their usage is up, whatever. And that's where we can really come in and be, you know, a bit of a cornerstone in the community that people know we're there, we're reliable, we're always going to be open for them. They can come in and out, rent it for we try to do a week's rental, but if someone is is stuck, you know, we're never going to say don't come in, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. really kind of the three main reasons I have people coming to me are really, really, really bad Internet, which happens in the countryside. Yeah. Maybe their kids are home from school and they just can't focus. And then the work life balance. People are on their computers until 10 p.m. at night, you know, and they just can't separate their work life, you know, at all. Yeah. And look, that's such that's such a common um, I'm not even going to say complaint. It's actually a growing area of concern for employers, for their employees uh, well-being. And one of the things I'm starting to see is a lot more of little notes at the bottom of emails saying if this arrives outside of your designated time, please don't feel the need to respond and things. So there's definitely awareness around it. And, you know, it's interesting. I think busy home lives and that that quest to regain some work life balance they're definitely two drivers that we've seen speaking to numerous hubs yeah. right uh, you know right uh, around the country including up and down the wild atlantic way really bad internet actually you know, it hasn't really been a feature, but yet I can see how that would be a massively important one for you. And um, by the way, it's worth explaining for people who aren't familiar with that. Uh, I, I introduced Space Adventure House in Crookstown in Kildare, but there may be people who don't know where they where that is, you know, and think that all of Kildare looks like Nace or Selbridge no. or Maynooth. Uh, but of course, Crookstown is South Kildare. So, um, you know, the the nearest town. So what would be the nearest large town um, to you, I Lauren? Suppose, so we're located just off the M9 motorway. So we're kind of 15 minutes from Nace, 15 minutes from Carlow, to put it in kind of easy terms. So we're definitely, we're very much rural, but we have, where we're located on site, we have a great amount of amenities around us. So we're just behind a Texaco service station. So that kind of draws a lot of people into the area. It's a super busy site. And we thought it was really important when we were opening as well. Like when I was working in Dublin, I love to go off at lunch, get my nails done. Or if I needed to drop my car in to get it, you know, checked before my NCT, I wanted to be able to do all these things. And we have all these facilities around us on site here. So we have a clothes shop, beauticians, a gym, all those things, you know, that we're still rural, but you have all the advantages of working in a city, let's call it. Yeah, do you know, Lauren, that just shows that you're coming uh, from a rural perspective there because you listed things like uh, shops and beauty salon and and um, the gyms. But actually, you never mentioned that there's lots of free parking. Yeah. That's such a novelty for Absolutely. people. I suppose that really kind of divides us away from the other co-working spaces that are around Kildare there's not a whole lot of us but the other guys used to pay for the parking outside or some of them are really really in the sticks with nothing around them so you know you need to have a balance of you need to have a regular life as well as you know the the savings that come from working in a rural setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, look, you're you're well placed there. You know, you're you're speaking to members in terms of, by the way, are you doing a membership drive? Are you taking on new members? Or are you? Um, no, I'm not a capacity. So I have about 10 full time people at the moment. And then I have others who come in for, let's say, a week here and there. Um, so I'm not a capacity at the moment, but I'm kind of in the process. I'm working with uh, the local enterprise office in Kildare 
and just getting looking at getting a bit of a grant to kind of divide some of the spaces up into more private offices. And we're also refurbishing the full front of the building because we're we're located in a business park, so we don't have the most attractive front door. So we're completely renovating all of that in the next month or two, which is going to be great. And local enterprise office have been fantastic helping us with things like that as well. So um, no, we're not we're not completely yeah. fully booked yet, but we're um, we're getting there. I by the end of November, okay, and- I'm hoping I will be. Yeah. Very good. And the calls that you're getting in, are they, again, is it mixed? Because it's really interesting to hear you've got a student. I would ne- But actually, now that you've explained the local internet situation, having a student there who's trying to access courses online makes perfect sense. It's just something that we haven't heard another yeah. hub talk about. So that's an interesting one. But I mean, look, how obviously we're we're in the our second lockdown now. Uh, have you businesses um, and members who are essential services that they've needed to stay um, open? No, I don't have anybody kind of that, let's say, um, is an essential service per se, but everybody still needed to be able to go to work. Everybody needed to be able to conference into their um head offices so everybody's still working away and we're really fortunate we're 5,000 square feet so we can really spread people out even with you know the lockdown measures and the only thing that has really affected us is we have quite a large conference area and we've meeting rooms that we can kind of rent out separately so obviously they can't happen now but all of our sharers are still Mm -hmm. able to to you know work away which is great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Lauren, I'm delighted to hear that things are going well. It's a great service for people, particularly, as as you said, you're just located off yeah. the M9. So, you know, approximately halfway between Carlo and Nace. And, yeah. uh, Nace. But you're obviously quite close to Athai as well. So well, well located there. And now, now that we've heard about the struggles that people are having with internet, I'm sure that this will become a more attractive option for them. So um, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today and talking to us about Space Adventure House. Um, And again, this is a conversation that we're going to return to. So Lauren, uh, take care of your members and we'll certainly touch base in a few months time to see how all of that is going. We need to take a quick break now. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So I'm now joined by Caroline Hickey, co-owner of M Space in Malahide. Caroline, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm delighted to be talking to you because you're one of the new co-working spaces are hubs. And when I say new, you know, uh, 12, 15 months, um, but you're one of the hubs that we're hopefully going to see the this remote working policy work through. Um, so I'm really excited to reach out and to make contact with um, hubs right across Ireland. Earlier this summer, we had the opportunity to travel along the Wild Atlantic Way and meet some of the hubs um, along there. And we know that there's a collection of hubs along the uh, the Atlantic Financial Corridor or Economic Corridor. So it's really interesting to see where these hubs turn up. But let's start by maybe talking just about M-Space in Malahide. Um, you are the co-owner. Uh, who is the other co-owner? My sister, Barbara Nolan. 
Oh, very good. And how how did you come to? Were you in this? Were you in this uh, industry prior to establishing M Space? No. So our background is actually in commercial property. So we had a family business that we ran with our father um, for eighteen or nineteen years, and we managed um, our buildings and all the tenants and leases. And it was a, it was a traditional office type of setup and we had a unit in one of our in our one of our buildings that we found it really difficult to rent it had been rented out to british airways for 15 years and then they moved to east point and we just couldn't rent it it was too big for some people and too small for other people and then we just came up with the idea that god i think a co-working space in malahide could work really well and we set it up so we set it up last august 2019 and we have 19 desks basically and we have a meeting room that our, all our members have complimentary use of and we have one private office that holds four people that's rented to a company and then with the rest of his open plan with dedicated desks and people that come in for daily or hot desks that type of thing oh and very good uh, you opened it was it summer last year that you opened? yes august 2019 so long before COVID uh, started, yeah. started to have the, the impact of that started to be felt. Um, so this was a former British Airways head, uh, office. Facil- or yeah. head office. Ah, very good. Yeah. Um, at the time, I know there has been a new place opened since, but at the time, was this the first co-working space to be opened in Malahide? There was another one down in the marina. And then mm. since March or of this year then a very big one then opened also in Malahide so we um we set up yeah like August of last year and we were building it up slowly as as you do and we were building up the community and trying to get our name out there and then COVID kicked kicked in then obviously March then we had to close so um from the background that we'd had before we had never done any networking or social media or anything like this so from January of this year, this is the first time that we'd ever done anything like this before. So um, we're actually loving the whole networking element of it and how good people are with their time and expertise. I mean, it's amazing. So yeah. um, we've spent an awful lot of time with that. That's really interesting because you've come from the, the property industry, so you weren't a newcomer to this industry doing it. So I, I think it's interesting when you talk about embracing networking and, and social media and all forms of online networking because that's something we advocate through Property District on a daily basis and we have been advocating for, for that for many years um, and there was there has there has traditionally been a little bit of uh, reluctance or hesitance uh, hesitancy shown by the industry and it's it's so interesting to see that being overcome um, just since February and March of this yeah. year as the pandemic really started to be felt and indeed I learned about your new facility through social media so we know that it works as a communication yeah. tool yeah. so I, I, I th- th- that was actually the genesis of this conversation um, but I think it's really interesting because this is just one in a whole series of um, changes that have happened in how people, uh, during the habits that people have, you know, how they're going about their daily private and, and professional lives. Um, you're obviously dealing with members coming in here. What have you experienced? Um, I, by the way, are you in lockdown at the moment? Yes, we are. Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, but when you were open, what what were you experiencing in terms of your members? Well, it's funny because the whole mindset has completely changed. So when we opened in August last year, so from August say, to January, we were pushing the whole time with our new 
newfound love of social media and networking that we were pushing as much as we could about getting the work-life balance, you know, getting rid of the commuting, all that type of stuff. And that was working to, to somewhat for some people that didn't want to go into town anymore. But then since COVID, we haven't have we don't have to sell that anymore because, you know, everybody has had to, you know, reconfigure themselves to work from home and and nobody wants to be going back into town. And so we didn't have to sell the benefit of having a mix of both. So the since we've come back in since whatever June or July that it was, the new members that we've got coming in um are are buying we have we have bundles that we do five and ten day bundles where they can use the bundles over a certain number of weeks and they come into us say for one, two or three days a week and then they work from home the other two days. So they're mm-hmm. getting a mix of both and they're loving coming in to us because they say, God, I get so much done. There's no distractions at home. We've one guy in there at the moment that is getting a huge job done in his house. And he said to me, like, I'm pulling my hair out. I have to come down here and because, you know, the, the workers are in our house. And, you know, it's just this lovely yeah. story. There's another lady that's in there that's got a 14 month old baby. And she said, I come down here for two days a week. And if I do nothing else for the rest of the week, I know I have those two days and I can get so much done. So, yeah, I just think people really are enjoying it. Most of our members walk or cycle. Uh, to work so they're like god it's just you know this is brilliant so that's yeah. a big change it didn't, yeah I, I think the conversation around work from home has just changed so much from the early days to kind of saying can we do this to then moving to yes we can and it's great and we love it and then suddenly it moved really quite quickly into this is never ending. There's no break between home and work. There's no space between back to back Zoom meetings no. and, and Microsoft team calls and, and whatever else that it is. Um, that actually, I, I think burnout found people quite quickly. Absolutely, and yeah. th- that's probably due to a combination of factors, not just the back to back Zoom calls, although I do think Zoom fatigue is a very real oh, thing. Totally. Um, but. Yeah. Oh, but I, I think that even, you know, the the the, the general stress that, and the general worry and the general air of anxiety that only a pandemic can bring, you know, that, that's surely attributing um, to, to our mental state. Oh, totally. But one yeah. of the things one of the things we found, though, was from September, there seemed to be a real shift in people's attitude that fair enough, they didn't want to commute and they didn't feel the need to travel an hour and a half to to a headquarters. But that didn't necessarily mean that working from home was the right solution. Absolutely. And I was just going to say that there's a big difference between working mm. from home or doing remote work because it was fine mm. when we were in the lockdown the first time. You couldn't barely leave your house and you just had to, you know, have your laptop on the ironing board in your bedroom and you just had to get on with it. But now the companies are taking the decision not to go back to the offices. You really have to be set up properly. You can't be constantly sitting at your kitchen yeah. table. So that's why the shift that we have found is the mix of both. So, um, so people do come in. They, you know, now we have people that are there all the time as well. Like they're dedicated and they're they're there Monday to Friday, but um, mm-hmm. they just not everybody is set up. Not everybody has a space in your house to set up an office. So, you know, yeah. I just I think the, the 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 hubs in the suburbs and stuff definitely are really an added bonus to people. And most of the people that we have are working for themselves actually they're not working for big companies i know yes yeah that's yeah. a that's an interesting one because that's something that um i maybe wouldn't have been as i i, I suppose in my naivety or lack of knowing any better i would have assumed that co-working spaces were for 
entrepreneurs or small businesses. I, you know, I suppose I, I hadn't fully considered, certainly this time last year, that so many people would choose this as an alternative to working in the, the company headquarters or working from home. And I just hadn't really seen that as a strong part of the market. So when you started out last year and when you were putting together the business model for M-Space, you know, did you envisage that it would be mainly entrepreneurs or were you thinking of saving people the commute in and out of the city five days a week? We thought it was going to be both because we did actually approach quite a lot of big companies and they didn't really bite at the chance of doing it. Now, I know they were doing it in very big, uh, you know, buildings in town and stuff where they're mm. taking floors in these places. But we actually didn't get anybody from a big company. We have got people there, a yeah. lot of startups. And I mean, we've got people that are in there at the moment or, you know, before this latest restrictions that are that have, are starting up on their own and they have a full office at home, but they just find coming into a place like this just makes you feel like I get up, I get dressed, put a bit of makeup on, I go down. I feel like as if I can talk to some people, have a coffee, walk down to the village. It just feels like they're not totally on their own because very isolating sitting, even though they're sitting there on their own, if you know what I mean, but there's other people around. It's just, it's yeah. a total different shift. And um, we, we thought initially when we first started that we'd get in some of these big companies and they would take a couple of desks and they would roster them out to various people and, you know, keep using the desks. But it, actually it didn't, it didn't turn out that way for us. It, ours turned out more startups, people that had offices in town that didn't want to be in town anymore, but predominantly they, they were their own boss. And then yeah. quite a lot of startups. So, yeah. Are, are you seeing any shift now? I mean, are, are you doing a new, a new members drive? Are you taking on new members at the moment? Just before this restrictions, yeah. So we opened, so we really felt it was starting to pick up again since September. I suppose when the kids went back and reality was kicking in that this is all our new norm and we got new members in. So instead of, people didn't want to be tied down to being there Monday to Friday and having to pay a monthly fee. So they we set up this thing called a five or 10 day bundle. And I know a lot of places do this type of thing. And it was just more for flexibility because not like one one size doesn't fit all. So we, and because we'd come from a commercial background, we knew how to work with tenants. We know that every lease is not the same for every single person and people have got different scenarios for their businesses. And we always worked with our tenants. So the five, the, the bundles are working really well. And we are launching a virtual business address as well, because there's plenty of people that are sitting in the kitchen, starting up their own business. But, you know, they, they don't want to have their home address. So we're launching that. And then Malhide is a huge push on at the moment now since the, the latest restrictions about shop, shop, you know, shop local. And I know the whole country is yeah. behind this now and keep the money in the economy. If you're going to spend, please spend locally and try and get these places back up and running. So we're going to launch, you know, why not buy a bundle for your dad or your mom who's pulling their hair out working at home and come down to us for a couple of days a week, you know, in January. And so we're going to launch that now next week. So it's that type of thing that we're that we're trying to build up now for the next, you know, five or six weeks and get a bit better at social yeah. media and, you know, um, that type of thing. So. You know, Caroline, isn't it interesting that, you know, how things have changed so much in the 15 months since you opened and yet now you might just be the solution that not just startups need, but also larger businesses. Um, but in relation to startups, we're not hearing a lot about new startups coming out of uh, the pandemic, although I've no doubt that there will be a wave, whether it's just a wave of people who um, have 
realigned their priorities or have had an idea to actually, you know, develop a pandemic responsive solution or whether they've just been let go from their current positions. Are you speaking to many startups that have established since uh, March? Two or three people that we have in there at the moment started kind of in February. And then March happened and they've just been working on content and websites and you know, like we've got people in there that were coaches. We've other people that are, you know, marketing strategists, that type of thing. And they, they just they're they're just trying to keep going. But because everything is virtual yeah. now, and you know, I mean, the the stuff that we were doing over the over the pandemic that everybody was doing. I mean, we were on Zooms all the time with the local enterprise board. I was on, you know, listening to one with yourself and, and through the iconic offices. And I mean, some of the stuff was just amazing and I'd never had that before so it was very inspiring to keep going do you know because there were yeah, so many I, people yeah. out there willing to help you and you know even all the grants that everybody's getting now and it's just it was it was definitely a good time to keep going and because it was so virtual you know you, you could you know work on your website and you could you know do all your your content planning that you want to do for certain stuff and then when the time is appropriate launch your business do you know what I mean so yeah you know I, I I think you've really hit the nail on the head there you know it became a little bit of a cliche over the the uh, last number of months but there was genuinely a sense that we're all in this together and I think that sense has really prevailed and now we're seeing it translate into supporting local retailers yeah. and shopping locally for Christmas you know and and so while there have been so many negative things that have happened over the last number of months, there have definitely been some positives and they've really been the triumph of human nature. And we're seeing that in local areas. So that's why I, in one way, I'm not surprised to see that goodwill coming in for local business. And, uh, you know, essentially villages like Malahide have always had that at their core and maybe it got a little bit diluted as lives got busier. But it's good to see that that's that, you know, that there's been a, a real movement towards regaining that. Um, and so as as a local business, I can only imagine that you're well placed to support and facilitate that through your members and through the, the local yeah, retailers. Exactly. And there really is a push now because, you know, obviously pretty much the whole village had to close down like every other village. And everyone is just mm. like, you know, you can click and collect, you can order online, you can buy vouchers, you can do you know, there's just so many things that everybody can do to help each other. And it's so funny that you said we're all in this together. I have that written on a sheet of run to be here because that is our motto yeah. at the moment. It's a hundred percent. And, you know. Yeah. So. You know, sometimes sometimes people forget that a cliche is a cliche <laughs> for a reason. And I, 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 I look, I saw it across the construction sector massively. You know, we've seen it across all all sectors, really, that, you know, there is this um it's a unifying force if we allow it to be you know if we don't allow it to become a device one that actually even though it's not a positive one it is a unifying one and that's you know that's something to build on um but carlan best of luck to both yourself and barbara um in building out m space in malahide and indeed to the members who come in to join you you might just share your website details so if there's anybody in malahide that actually needs this type of solution, they'll be able to contact you Yes, yeah, so our website is mspace.ie. Super, yeah. that's great. That was Carol Ann Hickey, co-owner of Mspace Malahide. Again, my thanks for Carol Ann and to all of our guests today. That's it from us. Thank you for listening in to Property Matters on Dublin South FM. 
You can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty Radio or by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Also, my thanks as always to Peter Rice on Sound, to show producer Katie Tallon of Hear Me Roar Media. We're back at the same time next week from myself, Carol Tallon, and all the team here. Stay safe.